Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Hello, happy Wednesday. My name is Miles Bassett with Wildman Web Solutions, and this is Ask Wildman, an open Q&A discussion with, between my team and yours uh, to answer any questions that you have about technology, marketing, business, hopefully demystify the world of technology just a little bit and put some good information out there. This is an open Q&A, so please throw your questions in the comments below, or you can email us uh, your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I do have that address scrolling below me here. Uh, this is a live show, so we're live streaming to our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and now our Twitch account, hopefully more social media profiles to come. Uh, but if you're catching this later, you can still email us those questions and we'll get back to you next week on this show as we do this every week, Wednesdays at 11. My team and I are here to answer any and all questions you want to throw at us. So please uh, jump in those comments. I see we already got a comment before the show even started. Hello, Mr. Jeff Fry. Always happy to, to have you here. Uh, so follow his lead, throw your questions or uh, comments in the comments here. If you have any questions about what we're talking about, if you have any experience with what we're talking about, and you just want to jump in here, um, please involve yourself. And if you think the information we're putting out here is good, is useful, you think that it could help um, you know, some friends or other small business owners, please give us a like, share, follow. Uh, you know what to do. All right, without any further ado, I'll go ahead and bring in my partner, Mike, to help me answer some of these questions. Hello, Mike, you're live. Greetings. Hello. I am alive, Miles. Thanks for noticing. Pleasure to be here with you on this beautiful morning. <laughs> well, I said morning. You're, you're, you're live, as in you're live on, on, on air here, not alive, but I am glad that you're alive. Oh, baby, I That's am nice. live. I am wired, fired, inspired, sugar dipped, and honey glazed. <laughs> like we were talking about this before the stream, sure. actually, but you're going to have to tell me the story about where that, that phrase came from at some point. Uh, yes. maybe we'll, we'll throw that into the show at some point. All right. So we'll, we are we'll... here to answer any questions. Please throw your questions in the comments below. Um, ask us about technology, marketing, business, um, or just how our day is going, whatever you want to talk about. We'll, uh, we'll take your lead here. And we had a couple of things that we wanted to go over here from the inbox um, and also just from a couple of events over the last week. So I think we'll start there um, and then move into your questions as they come in. Okay, so to start off here, um, I did have a quick discussion this morning, and so I wanted to take a little bit of time to hit this. This was actually from One Million Cups this morning. I know I, I cite this a lot in our shows, but uh, it's it's just because, first of all, it's a great organization and great event that I'm I'm part of and thankful to be part of. And also, it happens to happen right before this show, so it's fresh in my memory here. Uh, but we were speaking with a new business here in town, uh, just started a couple of months ago, getting going, still kind of a part-time side hustle thing. Um, and this person was getting a lot of great information from uh, you know other members of the Women in Cups community to get her business up and going. Um, and one of the people actually from the Lawrence SBDC, the Small Business Development Center, was throwing out information about getting herself listed. She said, hey, when I searched for your 
type of business, you didn't show up. I wanted to find someone like you a couple of months ago. You were there and you didn't show up here. Have you gotten your business registered with Google or uh, have you, you got your, your listing registered with Google? And she said, no. Um, so I wanted to go over that just real quickly here. I know if we, we've hit that a couple of times in this show, probably a lot of times at this point, but it's because it's so integral and so easily, you know, people kind of oversee it uh, or they miss it. And it's just some, something that's so simple, so easy, and can make such a huge difference in your online presence as a business. I advocate people doing this before you even look at getting a website before you look at getting a social media profile before you do anything if you've got a business get listed on google um, and then you can start building out everything else of course all of those other things are, are useful and we're going to advocate for having those as well but first and foremost get your business listed um, i'll put a link here in the comments just to a uh, uh, a help article support article from google that tells you how to get your business on Google My Business, how to get your business on Google Maps, and how to get your business verified. That third step is very important. Um, there are a couple of missteps people can make in there based on what type of business you are, if you have a physical location that you want people to actually show up to, um, or if you are more of a service area business, um, if you are, you know, you have regular um, open hours, or if you're just a, a by appointment only, more service related business. Uh, there are a couple of different settings in there that you can hit to make sure that you are listed properly, people are finding you, and then once they find you, they're engaging with you properly. So I'll go ahead and grab that article here and throw it in the comments for you. I just want to throw that in here at the very top because, again, getting yourself listed um, and verified with Google is probably one of the quickest, easiest, biggest wins that a new business um, or an existing business that hasn't taken advantage of this yet can do right here, right now, today uh, in probably just a couple of minutes. All right, Mike, do you have anything on the listing side of things while I pull this article up and, and throw it in the comments here? Uh, just to make sure that you check your listings. Uh, if you aren't already actively managing them and working on them, uh, we do have a, a free tool on our website where you can get a report uh, on your listings, your SEO, everything else, because if you don't know it's broken, how can you fix it? Um, so I'll just throw that in there. And yeah, also what you were saying about Google My Business, extremely important. A lot of lot of local businesses are getting a, an unfair advantage, so to speak, right now if they are leveraging Google My Business, adding content to it regularly, um, especially you know blogs, things like that that have uh, keywords in it, and uh, it's really uh, really helping them out uh, because uh, what was that? Uh, yeah, Anna had a great uh, post on our social media the other day about I think it was twenty nine percent of local searches end up being a a uh, purchase, yeah. Am I, am yeah. I quoting that right, Miles? I'm, for now, I think I'm pretty close. But you know, that, that's a, that's a stunning number. It's you know, let's call it almost a third of uh, of times that somebody looks uh, in a local search for a product that they actually buy it based off of that search. And so you know, it, it's just like that old Roy Williams saying, you know, the customers who cost you the the most are the ones you never see. You know, it's it's the ones who are who are going to somebody else based off that search. And so, you know, just like we've always been harping on, if, if you're putting up hoops for people to find you to give you money, you're going to get less money. Uh, so make sure that you're easily be easily found uh, wherever people may search you, but especially in the Google ecosystem. 
Yeah, so the stat there is actually 28%. You're off by one percentage point. Damn. But yes, 28% of all local searches typically result in a purchase. So that means that they are buying something somewhere. May as well be you. Um, yeah, that's that's. I think that was taken from one of our more recent blog posts that we put up on the website. Um, I've put up a couple of posts recently over the last couple of weeks, um, specifically on search, specifically on search rankings. Uh, so if you haven't checked out our article section recently or our blog on our website, uh, please go back there. We've put up a couple of great articles here over the last two, three weeks. Um, but one of the posts in there that, or one of the stats in there, I think we used in one of those articles, um, it was something like 70, 70 something percent of searches of local mobile searches, specifically people searching on their phone, ended up within a, with a store visit within 24 hours. Wow. So um, there's something about people searching for services on their phone versus searching for something on their laptop or on their desktop computer. Usually if I'm searching for a product or service on my desktop here, then I'm doing some research. I'm trying to find who I want, or maybe I just want to know a little bit more about something. I'm not quite to the, the bottom of that funnel, uh, ready to go kind of uh, decision-making process. Um, but when I'm searching for something on, on my phone, I'm looking for something right now. I'm looking to find something. Mm -hmm. um, so there's something something different about how people interact with the search ecosystem when they're on their phone. Um, meaning that if someone is looking for a local service on their phone, that means they're looking to go out and get it right now or or, or maybe there's, today or something. Or maybe like they're that. already there. That's <laughs> possible. I mean, yeah. How, I know I've done this. Now. How many times have you been somewhere about to buy something? And you pull out your phone and you check what the price of it is at the competitor across town. Right. <laughs> I mean, I do it probably once a week, you know? So yeah. It's, it's also it's, while I'm, while I'm out, if I'm driving around town right. and I want something well, or I need something, driving, I finally, well, yeah, well, I am out <laughs> around, I'm not at home. Then I find out I need something or, you know, we decide we want to go out to lunch or I remember I needed to go do X, Y, or Z. Then I'm looking that up on my phone and, I'm going to one of that, the first places that I see and I'm engaging with that business versus something else. There might be another one that offers exactly what I want at a better price with better customer service and everything right next door to where I am. But if that doesn't show up in my search on my little magic pocket computer here, then I'm going across town to the other one that did show up. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to start off the, the show there with that. Um, little tidbit about Google My Business and getting yourself listed there. Um, I did put a link in the comments here, uh, a quick support article from Google on adding or claim your business on Google My Business. And there's also some information on there on getting yourself on Google Maps and verifying your business location. There's a couple extra steps in there. They'll send you uh, like a physical piece of mail, a postcard with a verification code on there to make sure that you are who you say you are and you are where you say you are. Mm -hmm. um, that's how Google verifies where businesses are and they have the proper address. Um, so literally send you a postcard with a code on it that you then have to enter it. So it can take a couple of days uh, just for that part to happen, but everything else, you're talking a couple of minutes here. Yep. Just, just a, a, a no brainer for any small business. Well, any business, I, I said small business in there because that's typically who we're talking to, but um, anyone who's doing business anywhere, you got to be on Google. 
And while you're at it, you should extend, and we talk about listings a lot, we should extend outside of that. But the first step should be at least getting yourself on Google My Business. And then outside of that, there are a bunch of other directories and a bunch of other listing services and map services um, and data aggregators. It would be very helpful for you to get your information um, out there on one of those. But at the very least, get yourself on Google. All right, well, um, if anyone has any questions on that, if you need some more information on getting yourself listed on the Google My Business platform or in Google Maps or anything about, else about business listings, please throw your uh, thoughts, questions, concerns in the comments below or email us at wildmanweb.com um, and we'll get back to you there. But like I said earlier, um, our article section on our website is rapidly expanding. We're putting lots of really great content there, including some of the information that we put out on this show, uh, some of the stuff that goes out in our newsletter. Although if you're not signed up for our newsletter, some of the information in that only goes out in the newsletter. So make sure to sign up for that if you haven't already. Yeah, you get you get all the info in the articles and none of the rambling. So it's it's <laughs> if you like the show, wait till you read the articles, folks. I thought that was the selling point of this is the, the rambling and the bad jokes. That was the selling point of our live stream here. It's not the content. It's not the answers. All right. So let's, let's, let's move on past that. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity here before we move on. I know we have a couple of questions that come in, um, what, two days ago. Um, so I definitely want to hit those in that discussion that we had before this, but um, I wanted to give you a chance to extend on, expand on, or finish up some of the points that you were making in last week's show. You were talking about um, audio branding and branding yourself with sound, oh, with voice, right. with audio. Um, and we, we only had like eight minutes to go through all of that. And so I said, you know, we'll wrap this up and maybe hit this next week. I wanted to see if you wanted to extend on that or just put a button on that, make a final point here. Sure. Um, I totally forgot all about that, Miles. <laughs> you sang the McDonald's jingle and everything. <laughs> oh, right. And you were yeah, real yeah, invested yeah, in yeah. this. I wanted to give you an opportunity, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> especially for being a former radio guy. I think this was like yeah. a really interesting, um, you know, point where digital marketing in the digital space is kind of converging and hitting some of the, I don't know, not really old school, but more traditional marketing tactics that we saw before those, those jingles, we were talking about the, you know, the pizza shuttle jingle where they had given themselves that audio branding that stuck with them throughout the decades. Right. And now with the advent of voice technologies, you're seeing this resurgence of audio branding in an entirely new form. It's, yeah. it's reincarnated itself. Okay. Yeah. I remember what I was saying now. Yeah. hundred percent. So, uh, and this will actually, I have some audio related news. So maybe, we, maybe I'll, Perfect. Just, I'll just segue in, into that. Um, we totally into, meant to do that. hundred <laughs> um, percent. So yeah, so Sonic branding is basically just what your brand or what your company sounds like. Uh, you know, when somebody hears it, what do they hear and what do they feel? What messages are being conveyed? And it's extremely important uh, and it's, it's overlooked, I would say, uh, in much respect because and a lot of times audio is in the background. Uh, it's, you know, it's subliminal, it's subconscious, but it does not mean it's not important. It's actually extremely important. And I think that I referenced uh, the recent Yale study. I think I talked about this briefly on the show yeah. uh, as, as we were ending up last week, uh, that there was a recent study out of Yale that basically said that when somebody hears audio only as opposed to audio with, with video or with, with images, 
that uh, they believe more of it. They retain more of it. They take more action based upon it. And there's a lot of reasons uh, for this. I'm not going to go into it all uh, and try to keep this not in a rabbit hole. But, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, this isn't the first time that there's been research about this and actually that audio only as a format is extremely powerful and it's extremely persuasive. And there's just something about the human brain that reacts and focuses when when it's in an audio only component. And so when we talk about this in terms of marketing and how we utilize it, you know, we can understand how it's extremely important if this is the thing that you know, above all else that can make people remember my message, take action about my message and believe my message, then yeah, I should probably uh, be thinking about this as I'm thinking about my overall branding. And to Miles's point that there's a lot of things happening uh, in the in the voice space, you know, uh, technologically, but also, you know, just in uh, social media today and in video and how we're using that uh, in small businesses and large businesses alike, that audio is playing a key component. And it's, it's much deeper than just a jingle. You know, that's what most people think about when they think about audio and businesses and advertising. But uh, your sonic branding is more, it's more, usually it's a lot more subtle than that. And I, uh, yeah, I did use the example of McDonald's, which I think is a really good one, you know, where they have the same little, bah, 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 bah. Uh, I'm loving it, you know, uh, in, incorporated throughout all of their branding and all their marketing for years and years and years. And so that's their sonic brand. And so I think that it's, it's worth, you know, thinking about, uh, even as a small business, how you're going to craft your sonic brand, but it's going to become even more and more important, uh, to think beyond just, uh, a branding piece or a jingle and how am I communicating, how am I messaging and how am I engaging with my core audience through audio only. Uh, and so, you know, we've been talking about this app clubhouse, uh, pretty much ad nauseum, you know, over the past few months on this show. And, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and, we, and we did, we did a little bit of a deep dive on voice a few weeks ago and all the different technology that's being incorporated with voice, but basically voice is the next step in the technological revolution. Uh, it's, it's not going to replace video or anything like that, but you know, it's going to be built on, on top of the current layer of the internet, but in a new way. And so Clubhouse is one of the first uh, organizations, I guess, or entities to really harness this in a different way than take it beyond where podcasting was. You know, podcasting was kind of the, the 1.0 of the new uh, communication of, of voice-only audio uh, since, you know, we're the biggest innovation since the radio, really, in, in Marconi. And, uh, and, and now we have the second, you know, now we have 2.0. And that is basically social apps or places inside of social apps, which we'll get to in a minute with the Facebook news, where the content is going to be audio only. And people can come in and out of conversations. They can just listen. They can join the conversation. You know, it becomes uh, not a top-down or a, or a one-to-many platform a lot of times. It becomes a many-to-many -many platform and kind of a town hall type of a uh, event where many different perspectives and two cents are being added in and et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, it's a really, really interesting space to think about when we think about how we're going to brand our businesses, how we're going to communicate with our core audiences. And, and so, uh, so first thing we have to do, you know, if this whole idea of sonic branding is new to you is what I'm saying is, you know, get a handle on the fundamentals of that 
first uh, because, you know, all this other stuff is not going to make as much sense if you don't have the fundamentals down on that and really think about and plan your sonic brand, just like you've planned out all the other parts of your branding, everything from your logo to your apparel, to your slogan, to your sign out front, right? Just add this as a component. And then the next step has got to be, okay, how can I now leverage uh, communication through audio only to communicate with my core audience? And so we've talked about some recent examples of how this has happened on Clubhouse, uh, the news miles about Clubhouse recently that we need to share with the people they announced on Sunday was that they have uh, raised a series uh, C round. So their third round of funding, investor funding at a, uh, they didn't come out and admit this, but at a reported uh, $4 billion valuation. So this means they just got a whole lot more money. They're going to be able to uh, hire a whole lot more, build out their infrastructure and really get this thing ready for uh, the Android launch, which is coming soon. Uh, they say sometime in May, we're not exactly sure when, but this thing is gonna go uh, on the Android. For those of you who don't know, it's right now, it's only on iOS invitation only in beta mode, uh, but it's going to be launched on the Android in the United States, probably first, and then rolled out to Europe and then across the globe. And so that news was happened on Sunday. And then Monday, Facebook announced, I think late Monday, I think we posted about it yesterday, then Facebook announced um, early this week that they are officially rolling out. There's been rumors about this for several months now that they're officially rolling out their own version, basically, of Clubhouse, of an audio-only app that is going to be a feature inside of Facebook. So they're all, all, you know, already leveraging this behemoth of a platform Whereas Clubhouse is, you know, organically starting from scratch, so to speak. And so that's one interesting dynamic here, Miles, that we can discuss. But, uh, but aside from that, it seems to be very, very similar to Clubhouse. Some people are even calling it a Clubhouse clone and, you know, that they're taking a direct swipe at Clubhouse's growing market share and just kind of growing, I guess, uh, fever, if you will, uh, culturally. And, uh, and we know that, of course, Twitter has also uh, been working on plans behind the scenes to roll out their version. We don't know. They haven't made an official announcement. But uh, Facebook's uh, saying that they are going to be uh, uh, available to everybody this summer. They're rolling it out, of course, small right now in beta mode. And it was interesting. They had some heavy hitters uh, in terms of uh, pop culture uh, and, uh, and content creators that were, they were bringing on early to kind of help launch it. Uh, but yeah, they say this thing's going to be full blown uh, across both Android and and iOS by this summer. So probably at about the same time that Clubhouse is just getting up and full blown across both platforms. So this is going to be uh, really, really interesting. I don't want to think about it necessarily as a showdown. You know, I like to have a uh, an outlook of abundance and not scarcity. You know, I think that the, I think this is going to add fuel to the fire and grow the audio space and not, you know, chop it in half or Clubhouse is going to go away or anything like that. But, Miles, uh, hopefully that was not too rambly and a synopsis on the point from last week. And also I gave you uh, two news updates that are audio related. Actually, I'll throw in a third and then I'm going to throw it to you for your reaction here. Uh, the third one was Apple also had an interesting 
and we'll get to Apple's iOS update news here in a bit. But uh, I want to stay here, stay here with the audio stuff for a minute, Miles. Uh, Apple had an interesting update on their podcast side of things yesterday that they are going to uh, offer a subscription model for podcasters to directly monetize their podcast uh, through subscription-only content that is only going to be available on the Apple and iOS podcasting platform. So that was also a really interesting, I thought, move in the audio space. Uh, and, and just, you know, we, we, maybe we can open up this discussion uh, about just monetization in general in the audio space and the differences that we see going forward of uh, Facebook and Clubhouse and the audio revolution in general. Go ahead, Miles. Yeah, so there was a there was a lot there. I'm trying to categorize my <laughs> my thoughts. Um, so I'll, I'll start off with um, your your scarcity versus abundance kind of analogy there, where we have a new platform kind of emerging into the space. Um, we do have Facebook kind of um, you know jumping into the fray here. Um, on one hand, I do see it as a bit of a showdown, um, if not all. I mean just for the dramaticism of it. You know, they've made TV shows about this. We've all seen Silicon Valley. It's fun to watch. Um, but I do think that because of this is kind of a new space, the whole audio only space, audio isn't necessarily, but the audio only social media space is so new. There's so few people that are really interacting with it right now. I'm talking to people um, every day that are completely unaware that this is even happening. Um, and these are people that operate within the space that really should know about it. Um, so I think that is new enough that it's a little bit of a land grab. It's a little bit of a exploratory mission. We don't necessarily know the size of the overall market yet, but I expect that it's massively uh, larger than the amount of people that are currently engaging with these these platforms. So um, at least for the time being, I think that there's going to be plenty of room for both of these platforms and several other competitors that I'm sure will pop up over the next year or so uh, to launch themselves, grow, expand, take up market share, and there will still be market left over uh, to engage with these things. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a an either or type of situation. Um, I do think that this market is just going to expand along with the size of these platforms um, as they keep getting more and more people. I do think Clubhouse has drummed up enough excitement around it. Um, there's a, a certain amount of hesitancy around Facebook in general, just because they're so huge. Um, people are a little are, are pulling back away from them a little bit more. You see people all the time that are dropping off the platform um, or trying to work with other smaller platforms. So I wonder if that's going to play a role here and how they you know, how the user bases differ. But yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for having more resources, more developers, and the ability to see a good idea like this, develop it in full on all platforms and publish here in just a couple of months. Like that is that is a crazy to be able to do that. Yeah. And flex, uh, Facebook, I said Flexbook. Facebook is just flexing <laughs> on everyone here yeah. uh, with their ability to roll out new platforms like this that really are... You know, it's it's a brand new paradigm for interacting with people on social media, and they're completely building this thing from the ground up. And you know, whether they're copying someone else or not, they're still building this thing from the ground up and launching it in a couple of months. And that is that's just a sign, a, a show of power from the show of strength. Yeah, Facebook. they're they're not so, afraid to punch down. <laughs> no, 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 they're not. Um, <clears throat> 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this market share, uh, how this market expands and how those two share that that market and also what new competitors are popping up. We talked about, um, you know, Twitter possibly developing something like this. Reddit was talking about possibly publishing something like mm -hmm. this. I mean, then, Clubhouse yeah. was kind of the first name here, but they're definitely not going to be the only name in that space for long. Yeah, and then there actually there is another one. I'm blanking on the name right now, but there is another. It actually was a competitor to Clubhouse that launched, I think, over the summer, but it it you know didn't gain the traction obviously nearly as much, and so I think it still has a really small user base. But yeah, so I mean, there's certainly going to be more people that jump into this. But um, I'll lay out a couple key differences because people are probably wondering, you know, is is it completely different? So, like I said, they wrote, Facebook is rolling it out with some celebrity content creators at first, but they're also rolling it out in groups first. And when you heard, and it was, it was funny because, uh, you know, they, they have a hell of a PR team over there at Facebook, but, you know, Mark Zuckerberg just happened to release an interview uh, shortly after this press release came out that just happened to describe this new product, of course. Uh, and how he envisioned it. And so that was really interesting to hear him actually talk about it. And he they really envisioned it, uh, this being in groups. And so if you think about Clubhouse, you know, the clubs are kind of the groups, if you will, to Facebook. And so they're first going to be rolling it out in really, really big popular groups. And then I think to all groups first, and then to individuals. So then like you and I could start a, a private audio only room if we wanted to. Um, and so that was a really interesting I thought insight into what they were thinking about doing with it and how it was going to evolve the groups. And, you know, if you think about the difference between how groups are right now is, you know, obviously audio is much faster. You know, we can have this back and forth and we can do that if people are sitting by their keyboards or on their phones, you know, just answering comments back and forth. But yeah, but how little... many times a week are we texting back and forth and finally one of us just decides to call the other one and saying, sorry, right, my thumbs right. are getting tired from doing right. or this how, talk. Yeah, or how it, or it's several hours in between responses or sometimes days, right. you know, and things are getting lost in translation. And and so it, it's going to be really, really interesting, I think, once I think people will gravitate towards audio. And so once that happens, you know, back to the abundance and scarcity thing. I think people are going to realize, oh, wow, like actually communicating with audio is really cool and, and quick and convenient. And I can get a clear, you know, a clearer message across to somebody. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, is that, you know, the written is obviously I can go back and look at that later. And one of the things about Clubhouse that's been a good and a bad thing, I think, is the fact that now you can record on it. And it'll be interesting if Facebook, you know, has some in app or on-platform recording technology but you know once it's you know theoretically on clubhouse or what anytime we're having a conversation and it's not recorded recorded it's gone right there's no record to go back and see that again with like a podcast now there's some advantage to that in the sense that it you have to be there right and it's like and so people have fomo and people want to go on the platform and spend more time on the platform because if you're not there when it's happening on the platform, you missed it, right? It's like if you weren't there the night that Elon first came onto the platform, like you couldn't go back and like, you know, watch it again the next day, right? Whereas a social post, you can. It's there unless somebody deletes it, obviously, you know, or a tweet or whatever. So so that's an interesting just kind of you know, how the spontaneity of it 
kind of works for and against it and, and what, what will each platform do uh, to accompany that. But I think that, you know, just back to the point about just more people coming into the space. Yeah, I think more people are just going to find out that talking is the most natural thing in the world. And, you know, really, you know, it was like we, we can talk before we can write. And so I'm going to communicate that way. And then and then that will, I think, it lead to more you know people going over to Clubhouse. Uh, I think Facebook is actually going to increase Clubhouse instead of take people off of it. Yeah, and then you have the whole stigma about Facebook in general, uh, you know, how's data being stored, you know, things like that. Clubhouse has been really adamant about saying that they're not storing people's data. There's been some pushback against that, but that, you know, that's what they say. Uh, and so, yeah, will people be able to go over to that platform and feel more comfortable about sharing things? And then, you know, the other thing that kind of comes to mind, Miles, is this, um, you know, this whole idea about, uh, you know, the blue check marks and the verification and, and like all that, you know? And so mm -hmm. like, and, and just, you know, I always think about things in terms of a land grab in this situation, you know, right? And so like on Facebook, a lot of the land is primarily grabbed, right? And like, you know, and like the big fish are on Facebook, whereas I feel like on Clubhouse, it's a little bit more of the Wild West. It's a little bit more open, you know, it's a frontier, so to speak. And anybody, not anybody, you, you have to be talented, you have to be good, but people can go on there and start with nothing because everybody pretty much started with nothing and build a following there. You know, and, and, the, and, and the algorithm is maybe a little bit more organic, if you will. You know, where on Facebook is my group, you know, if I start a group tomorrow, it's never going to have the pull in the algorithm that a group with 10 million people that's been there for five years is going to have, right? So, I don't know. I'm rambling. Go ahead, Miles. <laughs> well, I did want to tie, tie this into your other point about monetization. There are, obviously, Facebook already kind of has its monetization strategy built in there. We're talking about Facebook ads all the time, an incredible, pow incredibly powerful advertising tool. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But have you heard anything about the monetization routes or options on audio only platforms, whether it's Facebook's audio only platform or Clubhouse or, you know, other similar competitors that are popping up here? Is there going to be ad space there? Or are we more talking about um, like in the radio world or podcast world where we're doing audio spots or just individuals uh, giving references or um, you know, citing certain companies that are sponsors of that person, of that personality, of that show, of that business. Mm -hmm. um, have, have you heard anything about that or what's the news there? Yeah. So we can, that's, we can that, move into the iOS thing after that. Okay. Yeah. So that's also an interesting, you know, point of probably, you know, differentiation between the two is that clubhouse has been adamant that they're not going to have, they're not going to adapt an ads platform. Uh, you know, they're not going to basically do interruption uh, advertising and, and, you know, make you listen to something or something, you know, a sponsor or something like that before you enter a room. Uh, they did just release uh, some monetization directly for content creators. And, and their motto has been uh, creators first. And, and so everything they do is to empower the creator. And, and so that's, you know, I think a really interesting uh, just point of view that they have. And so what that's basically going to do is it's going to put the power in the creator's hands. So that's not saying that you're never going to have to pay for content, but that's going to be decided about the creator. Like the creator could start a private club that they charge you to get into, but clubhouse itself is not going to 
take ad money from Chevy and make you listen to a Chevy ad before you go into a club room to listen to something is, is what they say. They don't, they don't want to do that model. That's obviously the Facebook model that they've built everything else on. So you would think that that is going to be what's going to happen on the audio side of things, especially since it's built into the platform itself. I mean, this is basically just going to be a feature that you're going to have eventually um, as you're doing whatever else you do on Facebook. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing some very interesting developments there. That's really going to, I think, shift the, the, the paradigm of advertising where um, I think we were initially talking about this months ago. Um, I think it was more in the context of parlor at that point, but then that whole thing exploded for other reasons, but the advertising uh, system that they were proposing there, I had predicted at that point that it was going to start growing and more and more platforms were going to start adopting this. Mm -hmm. And I like how you identified it there. And that is creator first mm -hmm. style marketing, which really opens it up to two different marketing tactics there. And that is the subscription model um, or, you know, pay to play model where you would pay to get access to a particular creator or to a particular club. Um, and then the other side is more what I was talking about before, where you would have a citation from a particular creator or, you know, you would have, you, you would approach someone that has a popular club on clubhouse and say, Hey, if you will recommend my product to your followers here, to your audience, then I'll give you X amount of dollars to you know, be a sponsor of everything here, yeah. which is, you know, instead of going the Facebook ads route or something where you're targeting the end users and we can put in all the different demographic information of the people we want to display this ad to, you would instead target a demographic by looking at creators and who are following these people. And you have to find a content creator that matches up with your brand in some way, which is a completely different challenge, a completely different process mm -hmm. for, um, you know, uh, extending your reach and getting to new audiences uh, and getting your message out there. I find that interesting when I see those kinds of new challenges and new ways to look at something where it just takes the entire process that we work on all day, every day and turns it on its head. That that's very exciting to me. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good point. And to tie that into the sonic branding, yes. you know, discussion that we were having earlier. So there, there's a couple of different things that are going to come into play here. You know, if I'm a small business owner thinking about my sonic branding, the first is what is happening or what has been happening and then what's going to happen, I guess, or what's starting to happen. You know, so, yeah. So right now, you know, I could be running traditional jingle based, you know, radio style commercials and I can be doing that on ter ter terrestrial radio. I could be doing that uh, in my videos uh, on social media and I could be doing that on podcasting or podcasts. Um, I could also be, you know, dropping in. Uh, taglines and, you know, and audio uh, brands and things like that on things like um, public radio and podcasts and, and all of that. And then, yeah, when we cut into something like, okay, Facebook, if Facebook does an audio only group and I can have an inserted ad into that, then I got to make sure that, you know, again, it's, it's content has got to be contextualized to the platform, right? I'm going to talk to somebody different on Instagram than I'm going to talk to them on the classical music station of KPR, right? right. Two, totally different, two totally different psychologies. So then I'm going to make my sonic branding fit that platform. And then if I shift over to Clubhouse, okay, well now I, I'm not doing interruption at all. I'm doing content marketing. So now, yeah, now I have to find a creator or somebody that creates content that aligns with my core audience. And I have to 
facilitate or tie myself, my brand to that content creator uh, or influencer, if you will, and, uh, and host events that are going to bring people in to absorb the content. And so I have to put myself in different shoes for each different platform that I'm going in and execute accordingly and always make sure that, yeah, I'm contextualizing my messaging and my style uh, to the audience and every platform that I'm on. I think one of the tricks for this is going to actually tie into our conversation last week about design. I think that was last week, potentially two weeks ago. I don't know where you know, you're putting yourself out there in a bunch of different ways across a bunch of different platforms where sometimes the strategy is not only different from your former strategy, but almost entirely the opposite. And you're trying to do both things concurrently in different spaces. Um, I think it's going to be incredibly important, both visually and now on the audio side, to find some sort of through line for your brand, some sort of consistency that's always there, whether you're putting out um, a, a, an ad on terrestrial radio, or you're putting out social media content, you're live streaming like this, or you're engaging with someone in an audio-only space like Clubhouse or whatever Facebook's thing's going to be, or possibly podcasting, if you can find something that can shoot through all of those things, one vein of consistency, something little. I was mentioning in the design side of things, something like just a, a color palette or a font choice or something like that, where it just makes everything visually be, uh, have some sort of coherency, some sort of consistency, no matter where you're putting everything. If you can do the same thing on the audio side and somehow find, Oh, maybe that's in the jingle, maybe it's in the voicings, maybe it's in a tagline, whatever you want to do, putting that out there um, in some sort of consistent form so that people can identify your brand, no matter where you are or how you're presenting this information. Yep. Yeah. 100% miles. I mean, first of all, you know, you don't have to do everything, right? It's like, you don't have to do content and interruption. You don't have to be on every single platform, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so for, you know, always the first thing is self-awareness, right? It's like, what can me and my company and my team actually accomplish and, and be good? So, so, you know, let's start there. But you're right. As I branch out and I start to do more things, I have to make sure that everything is tied together. Everything is, is holistic, you know, as we sometimes say, uh, and is, is integrated. And, and so, you know, I go back to the three pillars, which I think we've talked a little bit about. Uh, before on the show, I think so, uh, which is a, a concept about branding. And I, I got to give credit to my man, Tony D. He's a great entrepreneur out there in the East Coast who really just kind of drove this point home for me that, you know, basically start with uh, three words that you think encompass your brand and your company, and then write 30 words underneath each one of those three to back up, you know, again, what you feel like represents your, your company and your brand. Somewhere within those roughly 90 to 100 words that you come up with, three of those are actually going to be your core pillar values of the company and of your brand. And then once you understand what your three pillars or your brand are, you make sure that in every single piece of content that you put out, whether it's audio, video, written, whatever, has at least two out of three of those pillars included in it somehow. And that is a way that you can always make sure that you're being consistent and you're being true uh, to your brand. And you're not running around, you know, with, with a different, a whole, you know, it's got to be a different contextualized message, but it's not a different branding image or a branding message. Right. And so, but 
we're, we're starting to split hairs a little bit and get into some technical marketing stuff. But I think it's, I think that's clear enough for, 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 for most small business owners to understand what I'm talking about here is that you've, you've got to separate those things out and you've got to make sure that your brand is consistent, even as you're tweaking the individual messaging and, and contextualizing that for each platform that you're on. And I think that's what you were getting at miles. And so, um, you know, really do that. I really encourage everybody to do that three pillars exercise. And, uh, and that can just kind of be a, a check mark, you know, as you're going along uh, to making sure that you're, uh, yeah, you're not putting out conflicting brand images across different platforms. And you, you know, you, cause you can get too cute with this, right? It's like, I could go really too cute one way or the other and do something on a platform that is, is does not represent my brand uh, properly. And, and then I'm, I'm just doing damage to my brand equity in the long term. Right. It's like, um, you know, our conversation about visual design before uh, you don't want to just slap your logo on every single visual element that you put out there. That's too direct, even though that is a consistent visual <laughs> element, you need something a little bit more subtle. I think that's where you were going with, you know, too cute on something where, you know, you, you want to do something a little bit more subtle, a little bit less direct um and you know the the tips that i was giving there were just be consistent with your font choices or your color palette so you maybe you're picking some colors from your logo and utilizing those throughout all of your visuals and in your audio it should be a, a similar choice here where you're not just doing something direct you're building something specifically for each platform but make sure there is some sort of through line there what you don't want is to present some sort of you know, multiple personalities on different platforms for your brand, you want it to be clearly the same person or the same, the same business represented in different ways and different mediums across different platforms. If you got any tips on that, uh, if you have any experience working with, you know, your own brand or representing yourself online and audio or visually or anything like that, please throw your comments in below. We'll feature those here on the show. If you have any questions on anything here, technology, business, marketing, et cetera, uh, comment below, or if you're watching this later, you're not catching us live, um, then please email us, askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I think we did have some questions coming in from a thread we were talking about earlier. Mike, did you kind of want to hit those as we're, we're coming to the, uh, yeah. coming to the end uh, of the show for today, yes. I think. Fire them away. I'll try to uh, not pontificate and answer them quickly and directly. <laughs> I'll try. No, you. I, I think you had the you had a list of questions. Oh, over there. oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you. Said I don't that. have the things. No, we. Oh, I, I thought you said you had some questions coming on the chat, which I can't see right now. So. Oh, okay. No, um, I was saying you had some questions that we were discussing before the show that was coming in off a, a thread from yesterday or the day before. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, we've been getting several questions about this. Yeah, I don't know if we have. A whole lot of time, but we'll we'll try to try to get through this as quickly as, as you can, Miles, because this is really a question for you, I guess. But I've noticed, yeah, there was like a there was a thread I was in um, with some marketing people the other day, and then I actually had two a client meeting on Friday, I think, and one this morning, where these questions both came up, and I I think there's just maybe some confusion on website platforms, and then and then a you know a hosting platform or you know a, a way to basically uh, manage your site 
and you know the difficulty of the different platforms and seo and things like that uh, it's just maybe a lot of confusion and, and miseducation out there so just in a really general you know non-techie way could you just kind of take us through some of the general well-known platforms out there describe you know some of their attributes why you would or wouldn't want one of those platforms and then dive into specifically what are the best practices and ways that you can manage that platform? Because, for example, in the two client meetings, I had people tell me that, you know, they thought WordPress was really hard to manage. And, you know, to me, like, I mean, I, again, you know, for the folks that don't know out there, I'm not I'm not the coder. Miles is the coder. Right. So to me, WordPress is not hard to manage on the back end, but it's because of a tool that we give our clients and we give, you know, people that we do WordPress uh, sites for in order to make it easy to manage on the back end. And so, you know, there's maybe this, maybe that's where the disconnect is, is between the actual platform and the tools that you're using in the platform and how that can make that platform, you know, work better or, or, or work uh, more stressfully for you, I guess, you know, because some of these people are just, you know, um, showing frustration about the platform that I don't think that, you know, is a problem, but that's because we're using a different tool on the same platform, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I, I think I can take that for, for a little bit here and I'll okay. just try to categorize this because I know I've talked about this on the show before. Um, you know, maybe I should, I should write something for this, for the, the website here. Um, Generally speaking, I try to throw website builders, technologies, platforms, whatever you want, into three different categories. One is the DIY category. One is the um, more advanced CMS or content management system category. And then one is the custom development category. So um, I'll start off with that DIY section here. The DIY section is really just meant to be um, something that is easy to use for non-technical professionals and it just works right out of the box. You sign up for an account and they take care of everything for you, your domain, your hosting, the website builder itself. It comes with some sort of simple and easy to use, uh, usually some sort of drag and drop style editor. Um, this is something like Wix um, or Weebly. I don't know why they picked such silly names. I'll also put Squarespace in this category, although I think that one's actually a little bit nicer, uh, a little bit more extensible than the, the other two. Um, but in general, these are all-in-one systems designed to work right out of the box without any prior knowledge or experience in website development. So you go to one of those sites, you sign up, um, you pay a small monthly fee and they take care of everything from your domain to your hosting to the actual website management um, and uh, content management itself. You then pick a template to start off with. It gives you that with a bunch of um, you know, pre-built, pre-designed things. Then you fill in your information. You put your logo in there, pick your color scheme, pick your pictures, um, and then it puts a website up for you. It's super easy, super quick relatively cheap. Um, the problem there is it's not very extensible, so you can't really do a whole lot with it. Um, it is managed hosting by them, so you're not going to get the best performance out of uh, a site like that. You've got this huge builder on the back end that's not going to help. Um, when you get into search engine optimization or any any kind of performance optimization, there's just only so much you can do with it. They give you a couple of options, but if it's not explicitly listed there in their settings, 
um, then, well, you just can't do it. There's no access to the back end there. And for someone like me, that's a little bit more technical, yeah, even I can't do anything there. They're, you're very limited to the option that they give you. In um, some of the ones there, like Squarespace, you can buy a premium membership there that gives you more access and more technical tools and more extensibility. Um, it's still not as much as some of the other ones I'm going to talk about here, but it's a little bit more there. Um, so yeah, you're just a little bit limited on the functional side, on the optimization side, and what you can do. Um, and also on the design side, you know, you can only pick certain templates. And you know, while some of them might look good, it's also going to look like all of the other sites out there. Um, anyone else on a Squarespace site um, basically looks like your Squarespace site. Their templates are nice, but they've only got you know, a, a very limited amount of them. And there's only so much you can modify them to really make them your own. So overall here, there's just a ceiling on those and it's pretty low and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so it's very possible for businesses to outgrow platforms like that, though they're pretty easy ways to get something up and going quickly without having any sort of technical experience. Now I'm going to skip to the most advanced side of things. That's the custom development platforms. Um, these are ones that you cannot build anything on without any kind of technical experience. You're pretty much going to be hiring a developer or an agency to build out a website for you. Um, this can be anything from um, you know, a custom coded site. Maybe they're a .NET developer, and so they're building something out on Microsoft's .NET platform. Or you know, maybe this is a more advanced PHP-based platform, uh, something like, I don't know, Joomla, Drupal, um, Laravel, Laravel. I'm not entirely sure how people say that. Um, you need someone with a little bit more technical experience to get that set up and going, and then they can build a management system for you to be able to manage things. And they're going to have all sorts of access and control to change uh, everything on that site, completely control every pixel on that website, optimize everything absolutely perfectly, and sharpen everything to a razor's edge. But you're not going to have that much access to everything there. You are not going to be able to do very much outside of the functions that they have explicitly built for you to be able to manage. You know, maybe they built a module on there for you to be able to upload your upcoming events um, or post blog articles or something like that. Outside of those explicit permissions they've given you, you can't do anything. So then we have this middle category, and this is going to be the like, slightly more advanced content management systems. It's not a DIY system, and it's not a custom-coded site. It's kind of splitting the difference there. So it's got some of the advantages and disadvantages of both worlds. Um, this is something where you know I put WordPress in here, possibly some Laravel sites or uh, Drupal sites, some of those PHP platforms could be put in here. Um, overall, there's a little bit more of a learning curve for setting it up, but it's really more how, how you presented it here at the very beginning. If you have the proper, proper tool set to work with these things, um, and maybe you have a little bit of help getting something set up initially, then you can you can work with this thing a lot easier. You, as the business owner, as a non-technical professional, can have a lot more control over mm -hmm. the actual site content, over the site management, um, just like you would in a DIY site. Um, but it's not going to be 
it's not going to be quite as functional right out of the box. There's going to be a little bit of setup there, a little bit of learning curve. Either you need to figure some stuff out there or you need to work with a professional, work with a, a developer or an agency to get this set up for you. Once you get going on it, though, if the developer has done everything right, the agency has done everything right, and they've given you a proper tool set, then it's very possible for you to completely and totally manage the entirety of your website. Um, moving forward quickly, easily, without having any previous technical experience. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of the three tiers there. All of them can work. There's a time and place for every one of them, I think. I'd be happy to speak with anyone out there that wants to talk about this or you know, uh, weigh the pro and cons and see where they might fall in those three categories. Um, but overall, uh, just to quickly summarize here, DIY, platforms. These are Wix, Weebly, Squarespace. They're quick and easy to get up and going right out of the box functionality, drag and drop design styles, but there's a ceiling there. It's not very extensible and you're going to outgrow it very quickly. You've got more advanced content management systems, which require a little bit more setup initially, but then you can manage it very easily after that. And you have a lot more control, a lot more extensibility. It's going to be able to grow with your business a lot more, but you may need some assistance from a more technical person from a developer from an agency to get things up and going or add some more advanced functionality and then you've got custom coded stuff this is where you're completely relying on a developer on an agency uh, someone to build something from scratch specifically for you you might not have as much control in the day-to-day -day operation and management of the whole thing but if you're working with a good developer with a good agency that can manage this thing for you then they can do absolutely everything with this, they can fly you to the moon with this piece of software here. So hopefully get, that's not too much information here. Nope. I got one minute over on the noon good, line here. Good job, Miles. And just to give uh, quick examples for each one of those levels. So the, uh, yeah. you know, the to do it yourself would be something like a Wix. The middle uh, would be something like a WordPress and uh, Larval.net, you know, application would be something like the high end. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's okay. pretty accurate there. Okay, well, hopefully that clears up some confusion for some folks out there. Appreciate you going through that, Miles. Yeah, maybe we can take a, a deeper dive into that, or I'll, I'll write a quick article on the website for it and share it out with everyone here. But if you have any specific questions on platforms or which one's going to be the right platform for you, um, there's a ton of choices out there now, so I totally understand the confusion and not necessarily knowing which of those categories a platform falls in or that your business falls in right now. Um, so I'm, I'm more than happy to answer those questions for you if you want to email us um, or go to our website and learn a little bit more there. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on this uh, in future episodes of Ask Wildman. Sounds good. Well, I think we'll have to save the Apple iOS update for next week because we're running out of time here. But just everybody keep getting that first and zero party data out there. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we'll leave that as a teaser here and hit that next week. We'll be back live next Wednesday, the 28th at 11. Until then, Mike, thank you very much. See you. Thanks for watching. All right. Thanks for everyone out there. Again, if you think this information is useful, um, if you find this helpful, then please give us a like, share, subscribe, depending on what platform you're on here. Um, if you're watching this later, you can still engage with us by emailing us at askwildman at wildmyweb.com. I have that address scrolling below me here in the crawler if you want to grab it. Otherwise, we'll be back here next Wednesday at 11 to answer your questions uh, for another episode of Ask Wildman. So I will see you then. Thanks for watching. 
Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.